checks, then fewer guns get into the hands of criminals. Background checks have thus far kept more than 3 million guns out of the hands of felons, convicted felons, fugitive, domestic abusers, and others prohibited from being able to purchase a gun. And there's still too many loopholes in that system. And today, enough rogue gun dealers feel like they, they can get away with selling guns to people who aren't legally allowed to own them. And I might- who in the world are these rogue gun dealers that President Joe Biden is talking about? In this press conference or a statement he made last night at the White House, you learned the mistake you made when you voted for him. I mean it. I want to be direct. We're still friends, even if you voted for Joe Biden. But you made a mistake. Because Joe Biden doesn't believe in the Second Amendment. Joe Biden doesn't believe in lawful gun ownership. Joe Biden is such a radical zealot that he will lump everybody in, rogue gun dealers. Show me the person who's okay with the rogue gun dealer. That is a made-up statement from a guy who is not interested in doing the hard work. You know the expression, you got to do the work. That's what the anti-racists say, you got to do the work. What they mean is do what you're told, or else you're a bigot, or else you're a racist. You see, you just do what you're told and everything's going to be okay. Told by whom? By people who decided they're in charge. That's how that works. We've got rogue gun stores, Mr. President. Rogue gun stores. Well, let's put that in the speech. Never once asking, what the hell do you mean by rogue gun store? You take a look at gun stores all around the country. These people take it seriously. They're running professional businesses. If your objection is that that background checks don't get enough bad guys, I don't know what to tell you. Because that's not a proper conversation either. That guns are stolen and then sold and then utilized in crimes is nothing to do with the gun store. What it sounds like, Mr. President, is you want to attack the gun store because just like you always have, without a single bit of fact or any knowledge, attacking gun owners and gun ownership in the Second Amendment is your plan. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, so good to be with you. 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. Did you listen to what Joe Biden said yesterday? Joe Biden, in this rambling nonsense, I mean, there came a moment where you had to ask yourself exactly how not okay is Joe Biden when he can do... There's only one way to explain it. Only one way to make this happen. Harris Biden administration. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Got hairy legs that turn that 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 that, that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the, go. You know the you know the thing. Say it ain't so, Joe. Oh, it's very so. It's very, very so, especially when you get statements in a national address about the rise of violent crime like this. Eddie worked as a violence interrupter. Now he runs a program that provides high-risk men with cognitive behavioral, cognitive behavioral therapy 
to help them react to the impulses by slowing down rather than following through on the violence. He doesn't sound okay at all. He doesn't sound cogent at all. But it is very clear he is going down a road. Going down a road that says the problem with the the crime rate in America is because people have access to guns. Now the gun lobby wants you to believe that cities that are the toughest gun had the toughest gun laws still have the highest rates of gun violence. The violence is so they argue, why do you need those gun laws if they don't work in cities that have tough laws? Don't believe it. Here's the truth. Today's conversation with Mayor Scott of Baltimore, for example, echoed what we know to be the case and hear from mayors all across the country. Mayors have the power to help shape and enforce the laws in their cities, but they can't control the laws in neighboring cities and states, even though the gun legally bought there is often ends up in their streets. This is a conversation that is often discussed by Mayor Lori Lightfoot, the anti-white mayor of Chicago. This is the story of attacking Indiana. Now, we should be clear, it is a very specific story. This is the story of why is Chicago so engaged in murders all the time? Well, you can get those guns easily from Indiana. Now, Tucker Carlson brought this up last night on his show, and he referred to it as rural Indiana, and I just need him to take a look at a map and understand it just a little bit better. Conceptually, he's right. It is about blaming Indiana, but it is absolutely not about rural Indiana, because they would argue that the guns are coming from places like Gary, Indiana, and Hammond, and these are not rural places. These are places that have had serious crime issues and serious leadership issues for decades. Gary, Indiana could be something special, a suburb, an Indiana suburb of Chicago where the taxes are better and the life is freer, but you could still have access to Chicago amenities. That's a dream. That could work. That should work. It's not working. And as, as somebody who is a Hoosier, I want to see it work. You know, I'm a believer that when you take a look at your state, no matter where you are, the totality of the state is what matters. If you're in Oklahoma and you're like, well, Tulsa's doing great, but the rest of the state isn't doing well, that does, that's not helpful. You need the other cities to do well. You need them to be having a place of growth. It creates competition, and that's actually good for you. Yeah, you might have to fight a little harder for the business or the restaurant, this, that, the other, but isn't that what you want? And that rising tide creates success. It's not enough to live in Georgia and be like, well, Atlanta's doing well. You need Savannah to do well. You want Macon to do well. You want these places to grow and thrive. Are we talking downtown Atlanta? Are we talking suburbs Atlanta? Are we talking north suburbs? Are we talking uh, western suburbs? What, what are you referring to? You want it all to grow and build. And that's what I want for Indiana. But this conversation's been going on for far too long. It is a radically bigoted, inept conversation. Indiana has gun laws. They have, for example, a a, a license to carry a firearm. Notice I did not say a concealed carry license. It's a license to carry a firearm. Uh, The state of Indiana is actually uh, silent on the idea of concealed carry. But this is a state that did not vote for constitutional carry. Republican supermajorities, 
hell of a lot of good they are, wouldn't go for constitutional carry like Texas just did. It is only in the past couple years we have seen a serious increase in crime in the capital city of Indianapolis. Why? The gun laws have been the same. So what's the argument? This is where guys like Tucker and everybody else, they, this is where the conversation should be. And this is not me knocking Tucker in any way, shape, or form. I know that's du jour lately, right? Everyone's like, oh, Tucker Carlson, man, he's the end of times. Oh, you got to get rid of him. Brian Stelter and the rest of the CNN gang that's too afraid to shoot, never mind shoot straight. So jealous of that dude's ratings. So jealous of Tucker and his ratings. So wish they could think as quickly on their feet as Tucker Carlson. They know they can't do it. It's, 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 it's hilarious. It's hilarious to watch the clips. But when, when Biden pushes this idea that the mayor of Chicago, that bigot pushes, shift it. When discussing Indiana, the crime in the capital city of Indiana is up. How is that happening? The guns are already here. Shouldn't the crime rate actually be higher? Because after all, the guns are easier to get. But that isn't the case. It's a lie. But I put forth to you that Joe Biden knew he was lying when he said it. Because Joe Biden is a bad guy. He's an indecent guy. And the biggest example... Is this the Second Amendment from the day it was passed limited the type of people who could own a gun and what type of weapon you could own? You couldn't buy a cannon. Those who say the blood of the the blood of patriots, you know, and all the stuff about how we're going to have to move against the government. Well, the tree of liberty is not water with the blood of patriots. What's happened is that there have never been, if you wanted to think you need to have weapons to take on the government, you need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. The point is that there's always been the ability to limit, rationally limit the type of weapon that can be owned and who can own it. Can we stop for a second? Did he just channel Representative Eric Swalwell? Oh, you want to take on the government? You're going to need a, you're going to need nuclear weapons and F-15s. That statement alone is why the people who voted for Joe Biden should say to themselves, "Okay, that was a mistake." Joe Biden is not a good guy. Joe Biden's a jerk. There's no other way to describe this. You actually said that to another human being when Representative Eric Swalwell said that we dismissed him as the guy who farted on live television. That's what we said. Eric Swalwell. And we moved on. But we did note that it was a disgusting thing to say. You're the president of the United States. Let's go a step deeper. As people have noted all over social media. You're one of the people telling us that what happened on January 6th was an attack against this country and they tried to overthrow it. Unarmed people with one of them dressed as a centaur were able to possibly overthrow the government? But today you're telling us that you would need nuclear weapons and F-15s to do so? Why don't you pick a narrative? Joe Biden's lying through his teeth. He hates guns. He hates gun owners. He hates the Second Amendment. He's totally owned by the the leftist wing of his party. And he'll do anything to get rid of firearms. Buy guns and buy ammo today. The gun you don't think you need, buy it.
The ammo, you're like, maybe I've got enough. <laughs> you never do. Buy it. This is outrageous. Outrageous. And people should be openly disgusted. It was it was Dana Perino who pointed out that uh, this speech, you know, uh, Biden missed the mark and didn't rise to the occasion. No, he sunk to exactly as low as he actually is as a man. He's low. That's all there is to it. We take a look at homicide rates across the nation. Washington Post reporting how mayors see few options for regaining control. Savannah to Austin, Chicago to Cleveland is how the story... uh, Talks In six hours on one night this month, four mass shooting attacks. And in the wake, a sober recognition from city leaders that they don't have many options left for curbing a surge in homicides that is traumatizing communities nationwide. Were there changes in the gun laws in these places or in the places around them? And when you realize the answer is no... In Austin, I will admit, that would be Texas. They did just sign constitutional carry, but it just got signed. When you realize the answer is no, you realize that the problem is cultural. The violence problem is cultural and is not the gun. And the people who keep talking like babbling fools well we have to do something about the guns those are the enemies of humanity and cowards unwilling to take a look at their communities and say hey what's happening here black and white asian and hispanic jewish and christian and muslim what are we doing here mayors unwilling to look at their cities and saying hey just because you got a beef with somebody doesn't mean you go around killing them Whoever taught you that was a damn fool. And if your gang taught you that, they're doubly fools. What a bunch of schmucks. But no mayor talks like that. They're worried about the gang? You have a police force, unless you defunded them. Maybe go in and take the gang out. Maybe it's time for a fight. But maybe the problem isn't just a gang-related problem or an idea of that culture uh, being a related problem. Maybe it's prosecutors that don't actually prosecute criminals and put people in jail. And maybe what you as a city have to do is start firing prosecutors. Show up to their offices five, ten thousand at a time and demand they actually do their damn jobs. Don't give them a moment's rest. Do your job. Every minute you're on the clock, you do your job. When you're home relaxing with your wife, you're home relaxing with your wife. You know what we're doing? Suffering with the people that you refuse to prosecute. The people should suffer while the prosecutor sits in ease. Uh, It's awkward to me. Maybe society should ask themselves, what is it that they actually want? And what is it that they're actually getting? If mayors wanted to do something about this, mayors would do the tough things, the leadership things. And even if it didn't work, you could at least check that one off the list. Instead, they clutch their pearls and blame guns and look to President Biden and say, please, Uncle Joe, do something about the scary guns. I was able to pick up a box of uh, uh, 40 the other day, uh, a box uh, for practice and, and, and a box uh, for, for, for loading. 
Because when I bought the, the, the 40 Smith & Wesson, people were like, eh, it's not really a popular caliber. It's hard to find. It feels real good in the hand. I can't wait to go give it a, a, a try. And then I'm going to buy something else. And that's never been me. I, I have two hands. That's all I need. Be proficient in the firearm that you have is still my mantra. But I'm not going to say something I don't actually believe in. These anti-gun zealots are amongst the most dangerous and awful people out there who will lie to your face and smile while they do it because they are cowards unwilling to talk about underpinning causes. The gun's not the problem in these cities. Maybe the mayors are. Buy guns. Buy ammo. Vote Joe Biden out of office if you have any sense of decency. I'm Tony Katz. There are so many crazy stories about Hunter Biden that I have absolutely no idea which ones are are legit. Here, here's what I know. The laptop's clearly his. The photos of him are clearly him. He's clearly a bad guy. And he is desperate to try and make a dollar off of his father's name. This is what I know about Hunter Biden. But this story that is out there that Hunter Biden tried to use credit cards for a prostitute at the Chateau Marmont and the the dollar transfers don't work and he's trying on uh, other credit cards and he possibly used a credit card that was controlled by his dad and then there's a secret service agent who they claim wasn't working for him but was clearly trying to get him to come down from a hotel room and I don't know what's legit and what isn't. What I know is that the fact that I don't know is part of the problem. Because I would be fine with a society that isn't looking into the inner life of the son of the president. But I have a media that didn't do those same things. It would never do those same things for a Republican. And so when people are looking into this, uh, you got to wonder if turnabout is fair play. Oh, and Hunter Biden's a shady dude. I think that goes without saying. I'm Tony Katz. So we're going to have a Capitol Hill investigation whether we like it or not. Doesn't matter if, if we... If we think it's good, if we think it's an issue, it's it's coming. It's here. And Nancy Pelosi, she could not be more excited about it. The time they need to do the investigation of the causes of this. There are two actual uh, paths. One is about the root causes of it, the white supremacy, the anti-Semitism, the Islamophobia, all the rest of it that was so evident when you see a sweatshirt on one of the people saying. The anti-Semitism? Was there a sweatshirt of someone being anti-Semitic? Camp Auschwitz. Oh, the Camp Auschwitz sweatshirt. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I actually thought that was designed by Rashida Tlaib. Jeez. Oh, no. Too soon? I'm going to listen to Nancy Pelosi lecture to me about anti-Semitism? Are we all out of our holy damn heads? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 
Call me, 833-468-8669, 833-GOT-TONY. That, my dear friends, is the definition of chutzpah. We saw the anti-Semitism on display from those invaders of the Capitol. She never once listened to what Ilhan Omar has to say about anything? She has no moral authority. To whom is she speaking? Listen, I, I the, the question that, of course, I get asked more than any other is, is uh, why are Jews Democrats? Why are Jews liberals? And, and understand that there are people who are Jewish and liberals who, who listen to, to the show, right? If only because they just want to hear what I'm going to say next. Uh, it, there comes a moment where you have to recognize that on a subject, maybe you're wrong. A subject. Maybe you can still be a part of your party, but you can disagree on this one thing. So I have taken this uh, to a heart, and I'm, I'm working on a new video series. Um, we, we've already uh, constructed and right now are actively uh, looking uh, at the sponsorship for about firearms and Jews. And part of it is because of this conversation right here. The Democratic Party will not note its own anti-Semitism. That's a real problem for Jews who are liberals. Now, understand that you can apply this in a bunch of other places. You can apply this outside of religion and talk about friends who are liberals who take a look at their their views on, on the Second Amendment and the way things are described and the way things are put forward and clearly state you, there's no way you connect with those two things. There's no way you come together with the, the this radical anti-Second Amendment fervor. Now, maybe you're still a Democrat because you agree with them on nine other things. But maybe you can disagree with them on this one thing. And maybe the reason you don't publicly disagree is because you don't have the information. You know that they're off, but you're not sure why. So I'm hoping to be able to kind of bring some clarity to that conversation. And it involves saying things like this. Who is Speaker Pelosi talking to? Who is she talking to when she talks about root causes of the Capitol riot? If you tell me that anti-Semitism was a root cause of the Capitol riot, you're telling me that Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar and Andre Carson and Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez are responsible for the riot because they have pushed more anti-Semitism than any Republican you can mention, including Steve King. (laughs) You sound nuts. By the way, there are members of uh, the Senate at the White House right now talking about the infrastructure package. You can punch up just a touch of this really quick from Senator Kirsten Sinema of Arizona. thinking that he could get a bipartisan deal on this. They're not, they're not covering it? They're just showing it? Yeah. Ah, it's too bad. What's happening here is kind of interesting. It's something you may want to pay attention to because early, early, early this morning, there were people saying, did Republicans just get screwed? Or being Republicans, um, did they just screw themselves? 
So they've been talking about this infrastructure deal and talking about this infrastructure deal. And supposedly, uh, they have uh, come together on putting together a plan. And the plan might lower what the Democrats are asking for. But part of the problem here is that if Republicans go along with a Democrat plan, their plan does not include the things that they can pass via reconciliation. Reconciliation is the system by which you can pass revenue-neutral bits of legislation, dollars and cents stuff, and you don't need cloture. You don't need the 60 votes to start debate or end debate. All you need is 51, or in the case of our Senate, 50 plus the vice president as the tiebreaker. That's all you need. Nothing more, nothing less. So if Republicans are going about creating a deal with Democrats when it comes to infrastructure, it is very possible they will have given up leverage in terms of stopping some of these non-infrastructure things that can be done via reconciliation. This is the problem. It was Chad Pergram who spelled it out And one of the responses was, it allows uh, the Democrats to recruit the 60 bipartisan votes for the Manchin-friendly infrastructure package, that means Senator Joe Manchin, Democrat of West Virginia, and to turn around once that's done and get everything else they want as a simply 50-vote threshold, at the simple 50-vote threshold. If Schumer is telling the truth when he says the Senate will do both bills... Republicans have decided to give up all their negotiating power and, in effect, to permit the spending of trillions of dollars that they oppose. Now, who knows if Chuck Schumer is telling the truth? Who knows if this is the way it's, it's going to go? Who knows if it's actually going to be $6 trillion? And we don't know yet what is going to be spent on. What do we get for an infrastructure package? The argument should not be against infrastructure. I am not anti-infrastructure. I am down. The question will be, what is it that we're saying infrastructure is? Because we're starting to hear about how uh, long-term care is infrastructure, and long-term care is not infrastructure. Roads, bridges, and the internet are infrastructure. Power grid is infrastructure. Paid family leave is not infrastructure. Now, if you want to go pass it, go pass it. This is just the argument that it's not infrastructure. So this is the fear right now. This is the worry. That the Republicans who may have, uh, for the sake of bipartisanship, prevented themselves from being able to negotiate in their best interest. Now, they don't always screw up. They didn't screw up when they voted against doing this nonsense capital investigation. And it is nonsense. There's no value that comes from this. It's only a political tool. 
if you had gone along with it, you'd be going along with the political tool. Since you opposed it, Democrats can move forward on it, and you can simply say political tool, which it absolutely is. Now, speaking of political tool, it's not that I'm calling the general uh, the tool. This was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Mark Miley, talking about critical race theory. I have not listened to this yet, but I wanted you to hear it. How General Mark Miley is answering a question about learning about critical race theory. Um, first of all, on the issue of critical race theory, et cetera, I'll, I'll obviously have to get much smarter on whatever the theory is. Um, but I do think it's important, actually, uh, for those of us in uniform to be open-minded and be widely read. And the United States Military Academy is a university. Uh, and it is important that we train and we understand. Uh, and I, I want to understand white rage. And I'm white. And I want to understand it. So what is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America? What caused that? I want to find that out. I want to maintain an open mind here, and I do want to analyze it. It's important that we understand that, because our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and Guardians, they come from the American people. So it is important that the leaders, now and in the future, do understand it. I've read Mao Zedong. I've read, I've read Karl Marx. I've read Lenin. That doesn't make me a communist. So what is wrong with understanding, having some situational understanding about the country for which we are here to defend? And I there is absolutely nothing wrong with it. The problem, General, is that your military has engaged in much more indoctrination-type work and woke-type work. Your ad campaigns amongst them. The U.S. military serves to kill people and break things. Now, don't get me wrong, it has many other functions. But that being the top two. And maybe you can argue that's more of the U.S. Army or the U.S. Uh, Marine Corps and, and, and not the job of the Navy or the Air Force. I will leave that to others. You're right. You should know what these things are. And you should know the problem that they can create for the U.S. military. I agree with you that no one should be opposed to that learning so you understand the argument is a fear that this will be implemented amongst the military as something that is valuable. And it is not valuable. We're watching this happen in school districts all over the place. All over the place. We're scheduled to speak with, uh, to speak with Charles C.W. Cook over at National Review. They don't even want to admit that it's critical race theory. What, what does it matter what it's called? Uh, the, the, the cat's out of the bag. You can't unring the bell. Parents are in on this fight. And after seeing this from the Joint uh, Chiefs, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Miley, General Mark Miley, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib tweets out, opposition to critical race theory is obviously rooted in racism and has just become the newest dog whistle for racists. Says the Jew-hating bigot from Detroit. Wow, what's the matter, Producer Ari? I can't call her the Jew-hating bigot from Detroit? She never said she hated Jews. You're just, you're, if you want to fool yourself, that's fine. I have no time for it. Opposition to critical race theory is racism. 
a dog whistle for racists. You see, that's how they go after parents for wanting to make sure their children are not taught this level of bigotry, taught this oppressed oppressor class, have not just so much be uh, studying critical race theory, but have it just in their everyday lives through things like social emotional learning and anti-racism, which is racism. Look how easily they dismiss parents, millions across America. And look, General Miley, at how people like the Congresswoman use you for their purposes. Of course you should study it. Always know your enemy, that's what I say. I'm Tony Katz. Rudy Giuliani's law license suspended by a New York appeals court. As has been reported, false statements in court about Donald Trump's loss in the November election cited. Okay, that can't be a good sign. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't know what else I'm supposed to say, guys. It can't be a good sign. Right? This is the argument that he made false statements while trying to get courts to overturn the loss. One of the things that the committee has said in, in the motion to suspend Giuliani's license, that Giuliani said there was uncontroverted evidence that Giuliani had made false statements to the courts. This country is being torn apart by continued attacks on the legitimacy of the 2020 election and of our current president, Joseph Biden, this according to the committee. The hallmark of our democracy is predicated on free and fair elections, false statements intended to foment a loss of confidence in our election, and resulting loss of confidence in government generally damage the proper functioning of a free society. Now, wait a second. If you tell me that he has a certain responsibility to act in a certain way in order to keep his law license, and he didn't, that's one thing. To note that there was an issue with the 2020 election does not make one guilty of anything, nor is it an attack. To note the problems in Fulton County, Georgia. To note the problems in Pennsylvania and Toto. To take a look at the fact that they're doing this audit in Arizona, though even I do not know what they're expecting to find from this audit. We shouldn't note issues? Stop it. And any bar association says, no, you're not allowed to note issues, should be laughed at. That's not legitimate. That's CYA stuff. In order to make sure that some of these other lawyers can stay in the good graces of whatever government contract they're getting. If you want to argue that he said something that was false, go ahead. And if there's a punishment for that, okay. But let's not make this about the country being torn apart by attacks on the legitimacy of 2020. That is not why the country's being torn apart. That, that level of dishonesty doesn't do us any good. I would expect nothing less from a leftist bar association. And it's, it's a bar association. Calling it a leftist bar association, I mean, it's just... That's just redundant at that, at that stage of the game. We're also keeping our eye on what took place uh, outside of Miami, north of Miami there, uh, in, in, in Florida, where you had this, this apartment complex basically fall down. Half the apartment complex just fell to the ground, and there's video out now. Crazy. We have one dead. We have people who have been recovered from the rubble. A child who was recovered. I, I don't know what else they're going to find. We probably won't know more till tomorrow as uh, these these 
rescue efforts continue. But the video, when you find it on your social media, it just fell down. Boom. Why? That's the question. That's what we got to look into. That's going to take some time. This is Tony Katz today.